Good evening. I have to set my disclaimer at the beginning. I am not any good at pottery. I have the proof to show you. <laughs> Katie said, you have to bring it downstairs. I said, no, I don't. So she stopped by my office on her way downstairs. She said, if you're not taking it. <laughs> so I'm going to put this back here where you can't see it. I want to acknowledge two people. I want to acknowledge Ray Cousins, um, who is running for the House of Delegates. Um, delegate, she's here with us this evening. And I am like a hippopotamus proud aunt. And I want to introduce you all to my niece, who is now the Reverend Dr. Ayo Morton. The last time you saw her, she was just Reverend Morton, but she's now Reverend Doctor with an earned PhD. Amen. You've heard the reading of our scripture, so pray with me if you would. Lord, you already know the anxiousness in my spirit tonight because I want to please you. And so God, I ask you to settle me that these your servants, sons and daughters, might not see any of me but all of thee. God, you've given me a word, and I promise you, if you said it, I will. And if you didn't, I won't. And so I don't have to invite you into this space. I thank you for being here. And now, God, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For, Lord, you are my strength, but more than that, you're my redeemer. And those who agree with that prayer might say amen. 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 Consider this thought, clay under construction. On Wednesday, January the 15th, 2020, I walked into Richmond Hill, where I accepted the invitation to serve as the interim co-pastoral director alongside Reverend Joel Blunk. What I did not know that I had accepted, nor did I know that I was also walking into, was a $2.7 million capital campaign. This beautiful building needed a renovation. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. There was a lot of banging, a lot of sanding, a lot of hammering, a lot of noise going on in this place a lot of painting and building of a deck and a cooler freezer that did not work from 2020 until a few months ago. And in February of 22, we celebrated and got excited because we had survived a tremendous project that seemed like it wasn't going to ever end, but we made it through. Only to get to December of 22, where I'm now serving with the Reverend Katie Heisman. I ought to call her Katie Johnson, yeah. but we already got one of those. <laughs> Only to get to December of 22, and one of the gifts we received for Christmas was the temperature dropping, the pipes freezing, and water from several areas of our beautifully renovated building 
destroyed living spaces, working spaces, and meeting spaces. You see, we were much like Jeremiah. We received a word from the Lord to fix this place up during the capital campaign. But what was obviously missed while we were listening to the Lord, that we needed to fix some underlying issues. We heard the word, fix the place up. But we were putting lipstick on a pig. And trying to call her Miss Piggy. Don't you know, when you fix the outside issue and don't address your underlying stuff, or leaving the hidden junk untouched, or not addressing the infrastructure, your stuff is going to show up later at the most inopportune time in the most inopportune way. I must confess that I am, as we enter into the strategic planning phase, I am wrestling with what the word is from the Lord in this season as we address our underlying issues. And I ain't talking about the building. I know it's not good grammar, but it's good theology. My constant prayer is what is this invitation, Lord? What is it that we need to put on your will for us to be reshaped? What are we doing that needs to be remolded? What is happening in both our personal lives and in our communal lives that may need to be looked at so that we don't have to continue going through this level of construction and reconstruction? I don't want to suggest that I know the mind of God, but what I do know is what I sense from the Lord. And I believe this is a prophetic word for this place this evening. And I have sensed that the Lord is saying to us that we're making decisions around here that have not been God-sought. Saints, all good ideas are not God ideas. And I'm speaking about our personal and communal lives. We have made decisions that are based on what other people think. We have made decisions that have benefited only a certain demographic of people. We have excluded people and made decisions, whether it was intentional or by mistake, to leave people out. And God is not pleased with our behavior. We have made decisions that have been centered around personal agendas. This is not an easy word, and I know some feathers will be ruffled, but but not saying what God has given me to say is not an option for me. Because what I know for sure is we are going to keep going through a reshaping if we don't do some serious checking in with God before we make decisions. I want us to be able to do what God says to do and to table anything we do until we have spent time in prayer. This pericope in Jeremiah and the Second Corinthians passage presents a powerful message of God's sovereignty. His ability to transform and mold his people and the need for all of us to recognize our own flaws. Mine, I got stuff. You got stuff. All of God's children got stuff. Second Corinthians 4 reminds us that we carry a treasure in these clay vessels we call our bodies that is not from our own making but from God. 
The gospel of the glory of Christ is hidden in our clay pot, so we can't afford to keep messing it up because we're tainting what people see when they see us. So the molding is often needed to prepare for the, the priceless privilege of sharing the gospel of God's love. That's the real message here. We are clay under construction. And we must depend on the guidance, direction, and shaping from our God to keep us on the path that he has set for us. God calls the most unlikely to succeed. You know I was a high school teacher for 25 years. And we had superlatives at the end of the year. Every year, somebody was most likely to succeed. And those were the people that God would have thrown out. Because God chose, chooses, will continue to choose the most unlikely to succeed, to become the ones that God can use in the most powerful ways. All of his children are to be witnesses for him, but too often we think that anyone who sincerely desires to serve the Lord has to possess certain qualities and get themselves together in a certain way that fit what the church wants. But God is not looking for that. God is looking for a contrite spirit and a broken heart so that he can use us the way that he wants to. In God's own way, God takes that which is inherent in each person and makes a valuable instrument out of them. God takes all of our life experiences, good and bad, up and down, in and out, and causes them to fit into his perfect plan for each one of us. This is what Romans 8.28 is talking about when it says, All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. There is no waste in God's economy. But we must be willing to go to the potter's house. We must be willing to go to the one who is able to reshape our lives because if we could do it, we wouldn't be jacked up. Maybe I'm just talking about me. Maybe I'm just talking about Lisa. But if we could do it ourselves, we would have no need of God. We have to be willing to go back to the potter, to the one who is able to reshape us. We must be willing to go back to the one who is not judging or condemning us. We must be willing to go back to the one who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above anything we could ask, think, or imagine. But it's according to the power that we allow to work within us. It won't happen if we continue to live in denial and cover up our underlying issues and expectations and then blame somebody else. Let me tell you, I lived in a house with an alcoholic father and I was angry as hell with him most of the time. But I'm 61 years old and I can no longer blame my daddy for the foolishness that I do. Before I knew better, I didn't do better. But now that I do, I have to be responsible to the people who are looking at me. So I allow God to put me back on the potter's wheel and reshape me. And so how do we unpack our stuff and get back up on that wheel? I know y'all glad it's not a feeling wheel because y'all know I'll pull the feeling wheel out on I'll pull the feeling wheel out on y'all anytime. Different kind of wheel. I believe we might want to look at our current state and our need for repentance. Where are those places 
that we've fallen short and need to ask God to forgive us. We must look at the Lord's ability to reshape and restore his people. We must look at God's call for us to turn back to the Lord and seek his guidance and mercy on what we're doing around here. And so how do we do these things? The first thing I want to suggest is that we attend to God's instructions. The first thing the Lord did was to give Jeremiah a word. It was a word that gave Jeremiah instructions to go. Jeremiah, nor I, or anyone listening to this message this evening, can stay in our comfortable places and continue to operate, operate out of our own accord or in our own power. We have this proclivity, this pattern, this tendency to make decisions based on what we know and not seek God to find out what it is that he desires. Some of us are willing to go, but are we willing to go to those places that God is sending us? Sometimes we have to trust that God's directions or God's instructions will be the thing that we have to follow, even when we can't see the whole picture. Jeremiah is inviting us to hear what the Lord is instructing us to do. Otherwise, we're going to keep trying to figure out why we find ourselves in the same place, still talking about racial healing and not doing any intentional work for racial justice. We're going to be talking about healing the city, but we won't go outside of the walls to find out what the city needs and where the city is sick so that we might be a part of the healing. We will continue to focus on those things that may not be on God's agenda for us, but because it feels good, we keep doing it. Or because somebody else believes it's good. We've got to listen for God's instruction or attend to God's instructions, and then we must accept God's destruction. Whew, yeah. I heard the sign in the room. Verse 4 says, And the vessel he was making of clay was marred in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another. He had to undo some stuff. We have to be willing to sit with God so that he can undo the damage that has been done to us. The Lord knows when our life has been damaged. The potter knows when we've been hurt or traumatized. The potter knows that we don't have it all together and he knows just what we need. And instead of discarding us, he puts us back on the wheel. He takes the tainted clay and reshapes it according to his own discretion and skill. I know this is a tough suggestion to welcome destruction, but God has shown us through the unearthing of our bird stories, through the struggles of our capital campaign, and the pipes bursting, that when we only address the issues that people can see, our underlying issues have a way of showing up in a way that can't be denied. I'm not only talking about Richmond Hill. When we live lives that we fix up, when we put on the best suits and the best dresses and the finest face of makeup, but our heart isn't right, what are we saying? What are we offering people? Because our stuff will show up in the way we treat people. That's a different sermon for a different day. There are places in all of our lives that God has had to get our attention. But don't worry, the potter wants to put you back together again. Amen. You see, God chooses earthen vessels, easily broken. Yep, 
but needfully broken so that the unparalleled treasure of Christ's life within us can flow from within so that others may see what the excellency of God's power looks like in a reshaped vessel. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. My training in formational counseling taught me that everything that I have experienced, everything I've been through, every shape, every form, every argument, every joy, has shaped and formed my beliefs, emotions, and behaviors. Richmond Hill, I didn't understand when I was going through my destruction stage, my being gracefully broken phase, my being reshaped on a potter's wheel was for a purpose. I didn't understand how sexual assault and the death of my child would have purpose. I didn't understand how going through the divorce and betrayals in relationships thereafter or the burial of both parents had any purposeful use in my life. But as my friend Marcel would say, but baby, I have learned like Job that I knew God because of what other people said about God. But I can shout hallelujah this evening because I know God for myself now. The old folks in my community used to say, you can't make me doubt him because I know too much about him. What I know for sure is there is no way I could be standing before you all this evening with the love and compassion that I have for God and God's people if I had not gone back to the potter's wheel. If I had not allowed the grace-filled destruction to transform my stinking thinking to have a Psalm 51 and 10 experience and cry out, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in, in, within me. I had to go back to the potter's wheel so that I could be used for God's glory. I would not be able to tell you that I am a living, walking example of Genesis 50 and 20 and know that what the devil meant for my demise, God has turned around for my good so that many might be saved. I would not be able to teach and preach and counsel or do spiritual direction, uh, direction with the assurance that I have had I not gone through my destruction. Deuteronomy 8 and 2 tells me assures me, confidently reminds me that the Lord had to humble me so he could test me, so he could prove me. I went through and I go back as often as needed to the potter's wheel because I can't fix me. I can fix me up, but I can't fix me. We must attend to God's instructions we must accept God's destruction, but thanks be to God, we must allow God's construction. Verse 6 says to us, O house of Israel, O house of Richmond Hill, you put your name there. O Elnora, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord. The scripture says, Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel, you put your name right there. The Lord uses the potter's work as an analogy to convey his relationship with Israel, and I believe he wants us to see ourselves there also. He declares his authority and sovereignty over his people by stating that just as the potter can reshape the marred clay, so can the Lord shape and deal with the nation and everybody else according to his will. 
This text emphasizes the Lord's power to bring about change, to reshape his people and determine their destiny. That's what gives us confidence in, our, in verse 8 of our 2 Corinthians passage that reminds us we are hard-pressed on every side, but we ain't crushed. That's when you... So what? So what? I've been crushed. I've been pressed, but I haven't been crushed. We've been perplexed, but not in despair. We've been persecuted, but not forsaken. God hasn't left us. Struck down, but not destroyed. So often we are in the midst of our, in the midst of our clay of being reconstructed. We can't see it, can't believe it, and don't know how things are going to possibly turn around and work out. But God has a plan for all of our lives. If you believe this text in Jeremiah 18, move on down to Jeremiah 29 and 11. I love the message translation where the scripture says in the message, I know what I'm doing. I got a plan for your life, not a plan to harm you, but to give you a hope, a future and an expected end. God know what God is doing. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. But I'm glad God knows what he's doing. God knows what we were made of when we were sent into this earth realm. And he knows what he's deposited in us. I close with this last story. I am a Baptist preacher, but I really am going to close. (laughs) You've heard it before, but it's worth sharing again. A friend of mine from South Carolina once told me about a story where his sister had gone to Washington, D.C. when he was in elementary school. She went for a business trip, and while there, she bought a piggy bank for him and his brother Arnold. From time to time, he and Arnold would put their change in the bank and get excited when they wanted something and could go to their piggy bank and get their own money to buy their own items. Well, one morning, as they were walking to the school bus stop, He remembered it was chocolate milk day. Now, I don't like doing age things, but the young folk might not know what that means. In school, when it was chocolate milk day, it cost extra for you to get chocolate milk. That's another sermon for another day. When he remembered, he told Arnold, do not let the school bus leave me. Arnold said, I do the best I can. He said, do not let the school bus leave me. He went back to the house and began attempting to get a quarter out for him and his brother's milk. Pennies came out and he continued to shake. Nickels and dimes came out and he continued to shake. Being in elementary school, he didn't realize he could have put those nickels and them dimes together and have 25 cents. So he kept shaking and shaking trying to get his money out of the bank. He went back to the bank and began to talk to the bank. I'm going to talk to my bowl and wish I could change it into something else. He said, I know what I put in you. So come on out of here because I already know what I put in there. He began to talk to the piggy bank and said, you got what I need. So come on, give me what I need. I know I put some quarters in you. Why won't you let them out? He shook and he shook until he got out of the bank what he had put in there. Richmond Hill, I just stopped by this evening to tell you to please listen for God's instructions. 
Don't get up, give up if things go left. Even in your destructive phase, the Lord is going to keep shaking and shaking until he gets out of you what he's put in you before the foundations of the earth. Just know that when you're being reshaped for a purpose, God's going to shake you until he gets what he put in there. People of God, we've, we, we've got to get back to the potter's house. We've got to get to the throne of God instead of going to the phone of our friends. We've got to get to that secret place where we can attend to the word of the Lord. We've got to sometimes go back to the potter's wheel. But the joy is we will come out of it. Because we have in these clay vessels a treasure. We're clay under construction.